Welcome to the Watch OK Please podcast, a podcast where three friends try to convince each other to devote what little time they have left to watch more TV and or movies than they've ever wanted to watch. Please join us while we argue about our media cues and waste everyone's valuable time on things that just don't matter. Howdy, Watchers. It's Dan, and thank you for joining us in another episode of the Watch OK Please podcast. It's a little surreal that we're already at 41 episodes. Thanks for sticking with us. This week, Nine and I give our feedback for our friend Jason's pitch, Outlander, available to stream via Netflix and Stars if you're in the minority. This feedback segment does get a bit racy and spoilery, so please be warned if you're trying to avoid spoilers, kind of link us appreciation, and other notes on how to not be a disposable husband. Wish to apologize for some audio cutoffs and garbles for which we did our best to smooth over for your listening experience. As a reminder, each new episode will only have one segment, either a pitch of a new show or movie, or feedback on the prior week's pitch. If this podcast is the best or worst thing you have ever heard, please rate and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you hit us up on our Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook page, you'll probably get a possibly informative or witty response from one of us if that's the thing you want. Finally, if you have a show or movie you want us to watch, please leave us a voicemail on our Anchor page at anchor.fm slash watchokplease. All right, watchers, grab your kilts and hot Scottish accents. It's time to time travel into this feedback. Hey, watchers, it's Nyan, and we've brought Jason back for the feedback segment on Outlander, which is available to stream on Netflix and Stars, if that's a thing you have, which, I mean, if you're the one person who has it, congratulations. Jason, thanks for coming back. We appreciate you having back on and coming back on. Thank you. I am super happy to be here once again. Excellent. Dan, I've got a, a bunch of feelings about this show. Do you want me to just jump right into this? Yeah, so just full disclosure, just to, just to address something that Jason addressed in the pitch. I, I tried my best to try and get Cheryl to watch it with me. She did not. Granted, there were other circumstances that were getting in the way logistically with the kids and stuff like that. That was part of the reason, but she also was like, you know, I, I'm not ready to sit down for a full 45 minutes at this second, basically. She's like, I'm like, okay, well, I have to watch it sooner than later. So it's got to happen. So full disclosure. It was, it was not the, the joint watch did not happen for us. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I got kids too. So I, I totally understand. You know? Yeah. Wait. So Cheryl does have an interest in watching this at some point. She might. I mean, obviously she, she's, you know, full on into the Dragiverse, if you will, the you know, the RuPaul extended universe, if you will. So she's got that on her plate right now. And so she's, you know, inhaling all that content, podcasts and otherwise at this point. And obviously per Nyan's taste as well, she does ingest a lot of Nicole Byer as well. So, and obviously she keeps herself busy with that. And work has been kind of tough on her end too, lately. She's doing a lot of after hour stuff, you know, too. So that's been tough. So. Okay, uh, that and that's totally fair. I totally understand. That. Kate flat out refused to watch this. Like, <laughs> she, she was like, "No, I am not doing this." Wow, she, she is. She's not as much like a straight up romance person. So <laughs> it kind of made sense. We actually share a lot of a lot of common interests. I I think she does enjoy the drag race, so she, we do diverge there. But yeah, she was like, "Nah, not nah, fam. I'm not happy. Not having nah, fam." <laughs> Love that it. said, this gave me more tartan fever than the Bay City Rollers, which is a, oh. a reference that is way too old for my demographic. So should we be getting that the you know the 5 p.m. early word special then? Absolutely. <laughs> I enjoyed this. This was a good time. Same. Like honestly, Seriously? 
I was so worried. As soon as I got off the pitch last time, I was just thinking, they're not going to like it. What have I just done? Like, they're going to watch it and be like, this is too silly or whatever. But I'm glad you guys actually liked it and you enjoyed it. That's wonderful. Yeah, yeah like, I, 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 th- I think I, I think that there's a lot, you know, like I said, that when Nine unpacks it here, that I, it's probably going to be right in line with what I'm thinking. So I'm, I'm interested to hear what you, what you have to say, Nine. Yeah, I wasn't sure necessarily. And I'm not, I think Dan is more of a fantasy guy than I am, but I appreciated the storytelling. Like they did a good job with this. It felt like they were actually trying and, and to not have yes. a very generic story put forward, which I appreciate. I mean, it, clearly from the, the, the elements of the plot, it, it's not your average story, but it's still there. They're trying to do something. And it, it's interesting enough. I actually, I likened it to the, the random British period dramas I always see on PBS and I watch for like a minute and I get bored with, and then I move on to something else. <laughs> Usually cause it's like, I'm, I'm like the third episode of the 35th season of like a Bridgerton house or whatever. Like I, that, I, and, but this it helps that I'm starting from the beginning of this, the time travel element and the disorientation and made it interesting. Like this was genuinely interesting in the way things connected. I, I can't say I'm, you know, I'm dying to see the next episode. I'm not going to, it's not Game of Thrones episode one where I'm like, what just happened at the end of that? I need to keep watching it. But this is something I'm probably going to probably going to try and continue because I'm I am genuinely curious as to how things continue to work out. And there was one guy actually who and you didn't mention when you were going through the actors who's in this Graham McTavish. Yeah. Who I, I've seen in other stuff. I, he was the saint of killers in Preacher and he was brilliant in that. I don't oh. know if you guys have ever seen Preacher. I haven't. No. Uh, he's a great I'm, actor, and he's definitely like he's definitely a face I've seen around. But I I actually wasn't that familiar with him from like anything else. I probably know him first, probably from the Hobbit trilogy. Oh, that's right. Who does he play in the Hobbit? Dwalin, one what one of, of the one of the dwarves. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, that's funny. And interesting that you mentioned Game of Thrones earlier because he is going to be in House of the Dragon. Oh, is he? Oh, really? Yeah, he's playing Sir Harold Westerly, apparently. And he he also was apparently... Oh, he was in The Witcher, actually. I didn't realize that. He he played Sigmund Dijkstra. Wow. I didn't, didn't even realize that either. Wild. Oh, and he, he was the voice of Dracula in Castlevania on Netflix. Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So, yeah, so he's been in a lot of stuff. He was in Lucifer, too. Wow. He was yeah. in Colony. The, the, the ill-fated Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles TV series. <laughs> Wow, oh. pretty wild. Story-wise, it was uh, the characters. Uh, the acting is is you know really on point. Tobias Menzies is great. Lead, whose name I'm never going to be able to pronounce correctly, is also great. <laughs> I, I enjoyed the the banner back and forth. It felt at, at early on a little expositiony, but I mean, I yeah. feel like I, clearly it's something that's required for this series. But it didn't feel like it was ridiculous and being hit over the head with that. It felt more natural, natural enough for me to not. Turn, wanted to stop watching, which I think was was really helpful. Because mm-hmm. I think this, there was a point where I wrote, this is a great Wikipedia entry of a show, but it needs more citations to sources, but it's still good. Because it was just <laughs> like, oh, and that's where they, the British, <laughs> like, attack. And, right. I was, and, and then I got further in. I was like, all right, I, I see how this is working. It just feels weird as like, right. um, as an actual plot device. But it worked as someone who hasn't been on a honeymoon with, with their wife because of COVID. It was great to see people going on second honeymoons. <laughs> Good for you. I get, get it after the war. But ultimately, I, I appreciated the relationship. It was at least the post-war relationship, the early one, because there was a point where I 
literally think I wrote down applause break for Conolingus because <laughs> you, you oh love gosh. to see it. Yes. Always appreciate someone going down on their wife. Always a good time. So but again, remember, remember though, she was the one that left her knickers at home. Exactly. <laughs> that, that scene is how you know this show was written for women. They're like, this is a women first show. Okay, guys, if you like it, that's great. But you're here second. Like this is we're thinking that direction. Love it. I'm definitely. Here yeah. For so so yeah. The, the, in fact, like, you know, when, when I kept on looking at the name of the first episode, I mean, I wasn't I, I didn't want to use the correct pronunciation. The Sassanak. I want to call it Sassy Nack. Because uh, because she was so sassy. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a running theme throughout like at least the four seasons I've seen. She is very sassy in general. Throughout time, she is sassy on sassy, and it's great. Oh yeah, that competence when she's dressing the wound, and I think maybe it's the, towards the end of the first episode, and she's just yelling at them. I was like, oh, it's yeah. like I'm into this. Yeah. But she she went full on into into nurse mode at that point. She's like. Let me do my job. You know? <laughs> oh, exactly. I was like, yeah, no, let me, I'll, I'll do whatever you want. I'll get you the betadine, iodine. Oh, they didn't have iodine. Just oh, that was actually fun when she just starts listing like random modern medicines. They're like, uh, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Alcohol. Okay, it's kind of delightful. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, that was a but, lot of fun. Yeah, and I, yeah. I actually, I, well, I, I'd be curious to see what what you thought of this. But you know, the show starts off really slow. I mean, by my count, it was almost about forty minutes set in the nineteen forties, and essentially like a whole nother show before the time travel. Mm-hmm. And that's when you have the second honeymoon, and they're reconnecting as a relationship, and you know, it's like a whole romance movie. And then all of a sudden, right. you get dropped back. You know, the seventeen forties. Mm-hmm. And the whole tone changes like immediately. But I actually feel like that that first forty minutes, like sets that tone. Like it, mm-hmm. if it just had started with the time travel, or like they just had like a five minute intro, and next thing you know, you time traveled. I don't think it would have been as effective to me personally. I feel like taking that time to build the characters, to show the time she's coming from, to show where she's coming from as a character emotionally like really worked for me and helped me like really feel involved in this character once she's thrown back in time and suddenly there's a whole battle with redcoats and scotsmen happening right around her. yeah it was wild i mean but i i totally agree with your point about the first 40 minutes and i do also you know note that the exposition is real but again they did drop a lot of key hints you know that obviously helped her when she was adjusting to the the, the jump if you will and I think that was really important. And that being said, you know, the, the, the concept of this, of, you know, jumping into an unfamiliar place and being that, that Sasanak, the outlander or stranger, uh, is, is common in a lot of cultures out there. In Japan, and especially in anime, they, they use this kind of this setup a lot. It's, they label it as isekai, where they basically a person gets jumped into another world. I mean, for example, currently airing right now is the second season of Legend of the Shield Hero. And the concept of this series is that four random people from our current world are brought into this other world, which is very much like an RPG. And they are each given four of the cardinal weapons to become the four cardinal heroes. And this, it obviously follows the shield hero as kind of the main protagonist, if you will. So this is, but again, he's brought into a world where he doesn't understand 
the nature of things, the mechanics, what you can and can't do. And, and, and again, it's just like Stranger in a Strange Land kind of thing. It, it's a great plot device. Sometimes it's overused in anime, I would say. But I think, you know, in here, I think that, you know, at the helm, the Ronald D. Moore of Basilar Galactica fame, I think it he kind of did the a good job with your interpretation. They kept the author on as a consultant, from my understanding. Hmm. That's a, yeah, cause I, that's interesting. That because I, I, I guess I don't run into this as much, but I didn't find that even though I you know kind of went on about the exposition part of it, I didn't find that the the romance in the beginning slowed it down too much. I thought I thought it worked, and maybe it's for the reasons that Dan noted with the, with those other series that just that device worked for me. I don't know. Yeah. No. I yeah. I didn't feel like it slowed it down. I just it's it's jarring. It's almost like you're getting into one show and then suddenly you're in a new show. I, I think that maybe the reason that it was less jarring for me was I knew it was coming. Like if I didn't oh, right. know that was going to exactly. happen, I might have. It might have been different. I, I could see someone kind of, you know, not knowing anything about Outlander, walking in and going like, "What? What just happened? <laughs> <laughs> what? Did you? Yeah, did you were watching like Downton Abbey or something like that. <laughs> That'd be awesome if middle season, like all of a sudden, middle of an episode, Downton Abbey, someone goes through a time portal and. It's 200 years in the past. Just no warning. Six seasons right. in, that would happen, you know? Oh, that'd be brilliant. Reminds me a little bit of it. Well, it's not a direct correlation, but there was a show we, we talked about on a bunch of episodes back called Time Wasters. Oh, where, yeah. Where, Jason, have you heard about this show at all? I've never heard of it, no. It's available on IMDb TV. Well, it's called Freevee now, TV service through Amazon, where it, basically the conceit is that these this jazz quartet in modern-day England finds out, uh, is told by a homeless guy that this piss-soaked elevator in their apartment building in London is a time machine. And it turns out he's right. <laughs> and they end up in like the 1920s and it just goes from there. Thankfully, like they're jazz quartet. So being in the jazz age actually works for them, in their favor and they do some brilliant stuff, but it's it's very jarring. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. But back yeah. to that one. Yeah, but I, I definitely liked, I liked all the, the, the little bits of you know, culture that we got out of here, you know, hearing about seeing, seeing the, the, the blood over the doorways, you know, of the, of the black cockerel and to honor St. Odred and all these other kind of little, you know, details talking about Samain and uh, the, 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 what we'll call the OG Halloween. And, and I think there was a lot of really neat kind of details that are in there. I thought it was really neat. And there's some great takeaways for kids, like always go down on your wife. <laughs> in school and learn history and geography because you never know when you're randomly going to travel back in time and have to talk to people about things and <laughs> and, at, and, at a dinner party. And, and, and if, if your parents do unfortunately die, be raised by your ar- uncle who was an archaeologist. Yeah. <laughs> and that's very helpful. Very, very helpful. <laughs> I, I, one of the things I, I found really funny, actually, is you know she does a good job of like adjusting to her, her time change real quick. But then there's also like little moments where like at the point where she walks outside from that small cabin after fixing Jamie Frazier's or I forget, they call him something else in the first episode. Right. Um, yeah. In fact, I don't even think it's established until after the second episode that that's really Jamie Frazier. I think they're calling McKenzie. Uh, yeah. 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 But anyway, spoiler, it's Jamie Frazier, the outlaw that they're hunting. After they fix his dislocated arm, she exits the cabin and is looking around. And she's like, where's Inverness? I don't see any lights. And they're like, <laughs> it's right over there. It's like, really? 
It's like it's the exact same like <laughs> geographical like landscape, but just devoid of lights. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe pretend you've never heard of electricity, like a little right. bit. Um, <laughs> but I can still get my iodine there, right? <laughs> Speaking of Fraser, why is everything just a flesh wound with this guy? He's got this like Monty Python, the Holy Grail, like Dark Knight thing. Black, where it's Black like, Knight thing, yeah. Yeah, or yeah, Black Knight, my bad. Where it's just like, ah, just a flesh wound. Oh, I, I lost like three feet. No, I lost, or, or like three, five three of my quarters fingers. of my blood. Yeah, ah, no big deal. <laughs> Whatevs. And then even as he's still in recovery in the second episode, he says, you know what? I'm going to take these licks for this young girl. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, he's a gentleman. You know, Clearly, when yeah. you're a gentleman, you got to be tough. Plus, it's a different era, you know? like right. Totally. I mean, nowadays, yeah. I stub my toe, and I'm like, I'm out. I, I, I need, like, a few hours here. I got to recuperate these guys. Like, they Give me some bourbon. Yeah. I need an MRI. Right, exactly. <laughs> he gets, like, whipped to an inch of his life. Day in bed, he's good to go again. They, they made him tough back in Scotland. Yeah, it's true. That's actually probably another reason I'll probably stick with this is Scottish accents. Yes, like, I'll here. listen to those all day. I've had lawyers yell at me about how my industry standard identification provision is nonsense. And I'm like, hey, maybe you've got a good point. You do have a Scottish accent. <laughs> and then I'm also, any chance I get, I'm trying to watch the Scottish Premier League whenever like you can randomly find it on either Paramount Plus or I think shoot, ESPN Plus will occasionally have games. But yeah, man, the, the Scottish accents alone will kind of probably pull me along, at least assuming that, you know, it's still interesting as time goes by, which I get the sense that it is because you're on season four, right? Yeah, I actually, I think of the first four seasons, one may actually be the weakest, frankly. I think personally, season three is my favorite of the four I've Hmm. seen. And maybe season two is second best. They start to move around a little bit after season one. Okay. Not too Hmm. much, but like season two, they take a trip to France. And that's like really cool because you get this, you know, it's the same characters in the same era, but instead of seeing them in the Highlands, you see what they're like in a French court. And so first of all, you get the craziness of 18th century French court culture, which is probably the craziest humanity has ever been is the 18th century French courts, which is why that or that or Caligula probably. Yeah. Yeah. Caligula. You know, so there, there was an 1800 year window. There's a reason why they, they felt the need to behead these people. Um, <laughs> so that's yeah, like, yeah. it's fun though, like seeing these characters then, you know, once you're firmly established with them, seeing like, well, what is it like when you take them out of that and put them in France? And it's not like you would initially think of, oh, they're these, you know, uneducated dolts. They, you know, they know chess and French and, they know court customs because they're nobility back in Scotland too. And all the nobility just knows how nobility works. Right. If right. That makes sense. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and so yeah. it's just neat. And there's things like that where they move around a little bit in, in later seasons and it works really well. So in any case, I think season three is by far my favorite. It's probably the best television. So if you make it that far, you will be rewarded. And season two nice. is really strong as well. Yeah, I'm so, probably going to keep going. I just, it's not going to necessarily be the thing I jump to next. Yeah. Right. Like that all, I'm going to, I don't know if I'll binge this, like, especially since Kate will not let me watch this. <laughs> so I, I will, I'll probably yeah, be sneaking this in. That's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> like it, I'll probably just be sneaking it at work occasionally when there I got go. like downtime. I'm so not sure. Lunch hour. Yeah. 
I mean, you, you're working from home, right? This is not a show you want to be watching in the office. Yeah, oh, definitely not. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Thankfully, I am working remotely. There's like one whole episode. It's just two characters in bed, basically. So be forewarned. Definitely don't watch that one in the office. Oh, <laughs> nuts. N- n- noted, yeah. <laughs> what about you, Dan? You think you're going to continue? Oh, yeah. I I think I definitely will continue with this. Like I said, it's a matter of, you know, adjusting viewing priorities. I mean, one upside is is that a bunch of shows that I I normally do watch are have all gotten canceled recently. So um, I am going to have some openings to to kind of, you know, slip a few of these back in. Wow, that just set a whole lot of entendre right there. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) <laughs> so you're definitely watching this like you right know. after we get off. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. As soon as you get off, yes, exactly. As as that, 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 yeah, exactly. Well said. I, I, I can't. Well, I'm sure you can slip into any time. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I think you know, there's a lot of interesting characters. I think across the board here. I mean, seeing like you know what will become, I guess the 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 second marriage eventually possibly in in, in in the looms here but again i think it's really interesting to see the different dynamics that exist it, culturally speaking there and i think i'm, I'm definitely gonna have, there's a lot that I, I think you can take out of the series for sure the way that you know ronald d moore kind of has adapted this raw story which has got such huge appeal out there as you mentioned during the pitch i think that it, he was definitely the right one it sounds like to me that to kind of help helm the series yeah, I mean, I think they definitely could have gone a different direction and leaned into the whole Harlequin romance element of the the story. And I think it was right. a really good decision they didn't do that. It's there, and there's definitely a lot of romance, but they also decided to make this like a serious drama. And mm. I get this action, you get this, you know, I think really developed characters with really strong character arcs. And the romance just sort of fits in naturally with all of that, which I think makes it Mm. work. And to what you guys are saying, I I do think this is a show you don't necessarily need to see it all in in a week or something like that. You know, this isn't Game of Thrones. This isn't one of those binging shows where you got to go from like episode to episode to episode and see it one after the other. I think it's definitely a show you can watch some. I wouldn't wait too long in a particular season just because there's a lot of characters and you start to forget some of like what's going on with everybody in a season, but from season to season, it's definitely, I mean, you can watch a season and then like jump in six months later or a year later into the next season. And you're like, Oh, wasn't that his cousin? And yeah, that's good enough. You're good. You don't have to yeah. like, remember every last detail. That's actually one of the things I made a note to like mention this. I was like, that's one of the things I like about the show. It's not, I feel like it's really high production, really good writing, but it's also not the wire. You don't have to <laughs> hang on to like every word everybody says to fully appreciate it. You know? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Man must have a code, so I get it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, that that that's. I mean, that certainly makes it easier to to do a more casual watch. Because, man, The Wire was super intense. I, I simultaneously think The Wire is, like, the greatest show I've ever seen, and I've never finished it. So what does that say? Wait, you've never finished The Wire? I have not. There's. It's funny. I started, like, season five. That was the first season I ever saw. What? Um, I know. Wow. Like, someone, you know, it was a different era, man. Like, nowadays, we all have cable and streaming and all that. 
True. Back then, people were like, there's this good show called The Wire, and I turned it on. It was on season five. So I watched season five, and I was like, that's really good. And then I went back once you could stream episodes. Mm. In fact, I think I didn't even stream. I think I got the actual DVDs. There you go. Yeah. And so I started on season one, and I think I got to about halfway into season three. And we just, I don't know. I think that's when I had a child. Oh, okay. <laughs> that that, that tracks. Yeah, that tracks. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, you know, I kept meaning to go finish it, and then I've never finished it. So there's about a season and a half I still need to see. And I hear four is the best season, too. That is my favorite season. That's yeah. the season about the schools. <laughs> Oh my right. god! And, and I'm a former teacher, so <laughs> right, I, exactly. I'd yeah. love to go see a season about the schools, so I got to go see it. But now I'm like, I feel like I have to start over now because I'm like, don't remember a lot of it. So anyway, that's fair. Yeah, The Wire, amazing. The Wire. I yeah. love to finish it one day, but it's really great. <laughs> oh, great! Yeah, and, and there's one one scene for me. I, I thought that the 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 Jurid ritual scene was tremendously visually appealing as well. I thought that was really a, a neat sequence right there. Just wanted to th- throw that in mm. there. That was cool. I, I, I'll i be honest, I tuned out a little bit on that because I was <laughs> like, I, I, this is visually interesting, certainly, but then I I was a little distracted. I think that's the problem. I mean, kind of going back to, Jason, your point about when you watch The Wire, you were it was literally a point where, you know, you're watching it off DVDs, you're, you don't have a phone necessarily in front of you that you're constantly yeah. looking at. And then now I have that and it's a problem, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I definitely think it was a very good, very visually engaging scene and it should have been more engaging than the stupid things that were happening on my phone, but it wasn't. <laughs> it happened. That. I'll sorry, admit, I, so when I rewatched it for this, I kind of fast forwarded through that, like, you know, to save a couple minutes, I'd be like, All right. Right, I know they're yeah. just doing some Druid dance. Got it. It's very emotional. Right. I mean, it was really well done, but I also was like, you know, click, click. All right, we're a minute ahead now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there are definitely certain sections that you that on a rewatch you probably afford to miss. Yeah, cool. well, it's funny actually. You say you you watched it on your phone. So the first time I watched this show, I sort of did it slightly begrudgingly, not begrudgingly, but it was really like Anna who wanted to go see it, and I was like, all right, mm-hmm. well, I'll give it a try. And I definitely was sitting there on my phone, sort of half paying attention. Mm-hmm. So when I watched it this time, there was all this stuff I picked up on. And I feel like it was almost like I was watching it for the first time because I'm like, oh, you know, I, I sort of got the story. But things like the the blood over the doorways, I had kind of missed that when I first watched it. So it was neat, like actually picking up those little details and mm. hearing then the conversations, having seen what happens later. Basically, almost everything that gets mentioned that's historical in those early scenes ultimately happens or, you know, ties in with what's happening in the show eventually. Like the ambush on, 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 you know, that all that stuff was, you know, very obviously deliberately placed. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Yeah, They took Chekhov's gun very seriously. And I appreciate it. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I actually, there was one moment I liked and I didn't catch it the first time, but I caught it now, you know, he's Frank Randall is talking about his ancestor, Jack, black Jack Randall. Right. And he makes some comment like, oh, he must have been a pretty dashing guy to get this great nickname. And then you go <laughs> back in history and be like, no, he was the worst person. That's right. how we got this nickname, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, again, there's, sometimes there is a situation where the, the victors get to tell their story, so. Yeah. I do have a question. What did you guys think about the casting decision to have Tobias Menzies play her husband and also the villain from 200 years prior? 
that was interesting because and it's partially colored by the fact that I've seen Tobias Menzies in so much uh, a couple other roles where it tracked in terms of the role he's playing as Frank the husband, you know, in the future. But once I saw him actually like flip as the villain, I was like, as as a villainous character, this is weird. I haven't seen that part, like him play a character like that before. And for me, I like, I enjoyed it. Like I was like, oh, this is cool. Like I, I, it's great to see him because it didn't feel out of place. It just felt like, no, he's actually just acting. Thank you for, thank you for acting. This is great. I thought it worked. I didn't find it, you know, jarring or out of place. I, I thought it added to the story and, and, and I think he's a good enough actor, actor to pull it off, at least from what I've seen so far and from his other work. Yeah. I feel like I've seen other kinds of scenarios where people have played other people. Obviously, you know, this comes to mind right now is the concept of variance from the MCU. And I think that, you know, obviously they do get some actor that you say Tom Hiddleston, for example, who comes to mind first in the Loki series. Do you see him play some of his variants, but he doesn't play all of them? So it's it's very interesting to see how like you know they can repurpose people even in, within a series to to that end. So yeah, very very it's very interesting. But yeah, I, I thought it was a, a good choice because again, obviously, you know Frank as a character, he has very strong sensibilities. You know, and and he again he has a lot of cachet. You know, it being you know starting a, his a position at Oxford, there's posture behind that, and I think that you know it's kind of you know while Blackjack may have be more on the evil side, he he obviously has his kind of pride or, you know, uh, what he does in that regard, I think. So that, that that at least translates on some perspective, on some level through the through the centuries. Mm. You know, we're, we're, we're talking about the Blackjack Randall, but one of the things I, I really liked about the, the character of Frank Randall was the way he's like, I, I feel like he really nailed that character in the sense that like he's clearly this great guy you can totally see why she's married to him mm-hmm. why she loves him and at the same time you could totally see why maybe something is just a tiny bit missing there too yeah you know, you know they have that whole thing about her hand and the two different love lines right. you know, sort of foreshadowing that she's going to find a second love later in the series and i, I think it really i always find that can be very tricky because you can either make the character too like desirable where you're like, why would you ever leave this person? And then that makes the Claire character seem flighty. On the other hand, you could also make it that the character is so empty that obviously she'd want to go marry someone else. But then why was she married to him in the first place? Right. I don't know. From my standpoint, I really like that element of the series that, you know, Frank is just, he's like the perfect disposable husband (laughs) i mean he is the husband that wanted to hang out with a priest during his second honeymoon so right i I absolutely agree with what you're saying she's he much she's the one that that started all the hanky panky across the board here you know she 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 initiated everything he was like okay you're doing this okay i'm in but but like at the same time he's like oh no i have an appointment with a priest we can't do this right now It was very interesting how that works. But again, I think there's also that it's so brief, but you know, you have, you have two individuals who were tremendously affected by the war, right? And how they have, you know, dealt with their experience in different ways is very interesting. And yet their general love and their physicality obviously is, you know, has kept them together and pushed them to go on the second honeymoon to kind of restart their lives, if you will. But at the same time, I think there's also a piece of both of them that may have still been in that kind of war element that was left in the war. 
anyone who deals with that kind of level of trauma, I think also has to kind of do this relearning or renegotiation into where you were before to kind of re-strengthen those bonds. And so I think that because maybe one or two strands might not have still been connected because of those four years apart, because of the war that was in between them, it kind of gives her that an emotional kind of release on some of that baggage, I guess, in some ways when she, when she does find this other new love later, I'm guessing. That's a good point actually. Yeah. So ultimately, yeah, I, I agree with, with the, with Frank really working as a character in that sense. Yeah. Totally. And what did you guys think of Claire Beecham? We, we, we spent all this time talking about all the other characters, but right. she's yeah. the star of the show. Bloody delight. Yeah. She's yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. That, that competence, like, Oh, I love it. I'm I'm absolutely here for it, 100%. I'm happy to just hand her whatever she needs and then just just hope she likes me. Maybe we can go on a date. Exactly. <laughs> she, she's awesome. I think she's a, like I I at least with these first two episodes, I'm really enjoying her. I, I I do I do love that one interaction that she had with uh, with Jamie. She she's like and she says like I'm a nurse. And he goes I and he he was looking at her chat and she's like not a wet nurse. <laughs> I was like dying. <laughs> Because it's like it's it's just funny how like colloquialisms in different places come out different ways, so that it was very funny. Yeah, <laughs> and it is it sort of also plays in the the balance you noted with with Frank, right? That he's not very one sided or one way or the other, and there's there's imperfections there, right? Like that Claire is clearly very intelligent, has this amazing background that's kind of really works for her in this weird situation that she's in with time yep. traveling, but mm-hmm. at the same time, there are just missteps. She she drinks a bunch and then kind of ends up make, tripping up a little bit on on her her delicate lies. So having that set, I, I appreciate her as a character and I find interesting and more compelling to watch because there's that depth and that that balance of, well, she's clearly competent, but hey, makes mistakes too. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, I, to- I totally agree. I mean, she's so full of life. And so the fact she is so unique, you know, when she's getting her, her palm red and the, and the tea leaves red, you know, it doesn't surprise me in some ways because the way she comes off on screen, you know, she's again confident, like, you know, as Naya was mentioning before, you know, in, in various situations that she's been in and whatnot. And I think that this all kind of compounds into this level of, of how truly unique that she is. And so there's, there's a reason why, just as much as she chose Frank, Frank chose her in that regard. And, and I think that there's a lot, and, and obviously, whoever the new person will, you know, obviously probably be in a very similar situation. So it's very interesting. And one thing I wanted to mention, actually, about apologies when I say this, Katrina Balfi. I, I Googled it. I Googled how to say it. And oh, how, how do you say it? With Katrin Balf. Katrin Balf. Balf is what Google said. That's, yeah. that's that. The, um, okay, that sounds, that sounds good. But Katrin, yeah, so technically, uh, why my wife's name, but that's yeah, the yeah, Irish version. <laughs> say, yeah. Irish, though. So yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. Scottish word. It's yeah, like yeah. Siobhan. And you're like, there's no right. B in Siobhan. Where's right, the B? Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Interestingly enough, you may have recognized her voice, though. Oh, from where? The Dark Crystal Age Resistance. She played Tavra. Oh, that. Okay. Any other you- show. Maybe, but all the, everyone's <laughs> voice, everyone was doing a really good job in that show that I didn't recognize yes. anybody. Yeah. I, yeah, couldn't, again, I couldn't distinctly I, pull out like this. I is totally, I totally didn't remember. And the only reason why I, I, I found out was because just like I do with most episodes, I, I, I will go back and do an IMDb peek on a lot of people just think, oh, yeah, that's where I remember them from. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I did that for her too because I was just, I was curious. And then I totally missed that. That's awesome. Yeah. Pretty wild though. And again, it just shows. The range that she has as an actress there, I think. Was that post or pre-Outlander? Because she got Outlander in 2014. 
yeah, oh, that yeah, was yeah. that was 2019. I believe it was said. So yeah, so it's yeah, five years after she started that. Yeah, good on her. That's awesome. Yeah, she's yeah doing a great job. Love her. Yeah, I, yeah, definitely, definitely enjoying her. I can't wait to see more. I agree. Uh, she's a, I mean, fantastic actor. I think the character really works. I mean, the character is the heart of the show, and I, I think mm-hmm. she really makes it work. Yeah. Thank you for for coming on, recommending this. I never would yeah. have actually gone out of my way to watch this. So it's just cool to actually do this. And it's great to find out that my wife will not watch it. Also <laughs> helpful. <laughs> so kind, of, kind of almost went uh, Jesus H. Roosevelt's Christ, basically. Exactly. Watching that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm glad I I'm I'm glad I could make suggestions. I'm disappointed I was not able to find a shared interest for you and your wife. And I've added yet one more show. For you to go watch alone that's always that's always the goal to find something that that like we can watch together with our spouses you know oh that's actually a problem for me we have a shared notes document where we have this massive list of things we're watching together and we can't get through it all oh right i mean, <laughs> I mean even just problem. even just like you know, thinking back to some of the even the previous items that we've we've talked about here on the podcast there were a number that oh can we watch this yet oh no we'll watch it after next week oh. <laughs> <laughs> i remember hearing nine nine say it was very funny yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but I definitely appreciate it. Yes. yes. Had had she actually had she been interested, this would have been added to the list, and I don't know whenever would have seen it. So I'm more likely to actually get through it now than I'm watching it on my own and working remotely. Yeah. Same, same. Yeah, because we we have a bunch of like previous seasons of other things that like for, that Cheryl and I have watched, and like, we have yet to get to those just because of various different constraints uh, as of late. So yeah, it happens. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like me and Anna watching Ozark which uh, there you go which that's really just because we started it and we're kind of not that interested in it anymore but we're like on the final season so we're like we got to finish exactly you're, that, we don't you're that actually far along finish it. and then we can't watch something else because we got to finish ozark first and so now we have tons of time to watch our own stuff because we're not watching anything but ozark and we don't really want to finish ozark <laughs> gotcha so that's what we thought that happened folks which uh, brings us to the end of another episode of the watch okay please podcast we hope you had a good time listening to us spout more nonsense today and hope you join us next week for another exercise in utility in the meantime please rate and review us on either apple podcast or spotify or just tell a friend about us until next week keep on watching